Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Ah, uh, Mr. Jackson. Well, daylight savings can't trick us. No, we have a foot in each world, you know. A couple <laughs> times a year we're, you know, the mainland world does a shift. And I always, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, spring always depresses me. And the shift in the autumn actually always um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, it sort of uh, energizes me. Because I, I, I feel something's been taken away from me. I was going to say the same thing. Do you know what I often do is I often don't exercise my extra hour in the fall right away. And sometimes I'll save it. And I'll say, today I'm going to use my extra hour. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like there's no choice. They just take the hour right away from They just take the hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I truly believe that you and I live in a um, a self-generated world. I won't say it's a yeah. democratic world, but it's a self-generated mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And anytime, you know, a conversation comes up in, uh, let's say, strategic coach workshop, you know, about how we're being uh, deprived of our liberty. And I said, okay, well, let's just check this out. Uh, first of all, give me the facts that tell tell you that other people are taking away your freedom. Okay. Mm-hmm. They do. And I said, well, yeah, I can see how you can see that. Yep. Yep. And I said, but let me ask you a question. If we plan your next quarter and you have four goals, one is to increase your freedom of time. Yes. Secondly, your freedom of money. Thirdly, your freedom of relationship and fourth freedom of purpose. Uh, can you do that regardless of what's happening in the world? Mm-hmm. And they all say yes. And I said, well, uh, one of them's true. They're taking your freedom away, or you can grant yourself new freedom. I said, one of them's, one of them's true. You know, it depends on which one you choose. That's it. Yeah, that's something. And it's, um, it's so great to know, you know, we're completely <laughs> playing a different game. It's like I've, yep. I've been I've been speaking at some different events over the last uh, couple of weeks here by Zoom, and one of the things that I've been sharing that comes up is the is the VCR formula, and mm-hmm. the you know it, it's met universally with um, clarity. That people are like, oh, wow. Like now they see it's like giving somebody 3D glasses when you see when you can now see how things are, are, um, you know, organized. You can see where your place in that game Mm -hmm. is, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's okay that you don't have to be all of these uh, these things. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting from a historical standpoint. Um, uh, I, I use the Gutenberg Revolution a lot for yeah. early uh, early science, and um, the um, you know I mean it's uh, um, it, there's just a lot of things that happen differently as a result of uh, uh, movable type. Yeah, having printing presses with movable type, but. A couple of them were really, really interesting um, that haven't been really talked about that much. And one of them is that um, uh, people started reading alone uh, because uh, before that, books were were rare, books were very expensive. And only, uh, you know, certain, you know, people were actually literate, you know, they, they were usually church members and there were lawyers and, um, you know, the, the members of the church, they would have been monks or priests or anything else. And they yeah. were literate. And um, generally speaking, the printed word was used in public where someone who knew how to read would read the words for everyone else and they'd sit and listen to it. 
I wondered about that. So books were read aloud, like as an event. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there were, there were scholars. I'm not saying there weren't Mm -hmm. people who were scholars, but they were a very, very, very small um, portion of the population. And it wasn't a general thing, but what happened with books and, you know, I don't know how much, how many years or decades it was, but it became widespread that people would have personal libraries. And these were, um, you know, they'd have to have wealth because they'd have to, pay, uh, the books were very expensive, but they'd collect books and then they would have a library and they would go in and uh, in the evening. Well, you, usually it would be during the day because uh, lighting was very, very expensive. Right. You know, evening lighting. And they'd read. They'd read. And then there were uh, uh, sort of pamphlets, which were a big a big sheet, which was folded into uh, 16 pages. You would fold it once, you'd fold it twice, and that gave you eight, and then you'd fold it one more time, and you had six, 16 pages, and they'd print it as a pamphlet. And, uh, you know, and then people would be in coffee houses, they'd be in bars, and they would read these pamphlets, and then they'd discuss them. And um, I think that's going on right now. I think what you and I are experiencing right now uh, with Zoom, especially, is very, mm-hmm. very similar to a way of bringing up ideas and talking about them that, to a certain extent, is beyond the knowledge and uh, beyond the control of whoever thinks they're in charge. Mm. Wasn't that something? What was the, um, you mentioned pamphlets. Wasn't it the Reynolds pamphlets or what were they called? Reynolds pamphlets or Reynolds papers? What was, uh, what were they called? Well, the big thing was they didn't bind them. They just uh, mm-hmm. they, they sort of folded up like a map. Okay. Right. And, uh, and w- but what they would do with that, each of the, you know, when you have a map, uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, rectangles that are created by the fold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what they would do is they would print each of those folds as a separate page. But right. then it could be, then it could be folded up and, uh, uh, because binding was very expensive and, you know, right. And so you would just, uh, fold it up. And, um, and this is the way that, um, uh, you know, regulations were printed up and sent out. This was uh, financial, you know, financial rules and, you know, um, currency, you know, currency exchange rates. A lot of it was uh, commercial. A lot of mm-hmm. it was uh, commercial. It was just that there were understand rules for trading. There was a huge trading network across Northern Europe, all the way from England to Russia. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, it was called the Hanseatic League, and it had about, mm-hmm. in total, over a period of about three or four hundred years, it probably had um, three dozen cities, and some would, you know, blink out, and new ones would come along, and everything like that. <clears throat> but what they did is they created uh, standard policies for currency exchange, for letters of credit, for um, rules, uh, you know, contract contract rules, and the their main way after Gutenberg of actually letting everybody know what what the rules were were these these folded up pamphlets. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but but the change that I see and I want to go back to your VCR uh-huh. is that um, in the mainland it was all about what you were going to do, you know, like over the course of a lifetime. And, uh, you know, you're going to learn your reading, writing, and arithmetic, and, you know, and you're going to be a good student, and you're going to pass tests, and you're going to get into university, and you're going to go through undergraduate university, and you're going to specialize in something that will get you a good job, and then you will be in that job, and you'll move up the ranks. And it was all about you, but it was all about you. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was really irrespective of of who the other people were that you were doing this with. And I think with Zoom and, you know, all internet things that have developed over the last quarter century, I believe that um, 
um, to have just to focus on yourself, you're missing out on 99% of the action. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you've done, what you've done right. yeah, what you've done is you've simply said, uh, don't think about the vision of what you as an individual, a lone individual can achieve. Think about um, what could be achieved, period, regardless uh-huh. who did, of who did it. And mm-hmm. you put down your visions and then you say, well, what are all the capabilities that I have? Well, I have mine, but I can also put down technology. I can also put down networks. I know other people's capabilities and uh, the Internet. The Internet is yeah. a huge capability. Zoom's a huge capability. Mobile yeah. phones. Mobile phones are a huge capability. And then how much reach can I have? If if I add my vision plus the capabilities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what can multiply all that out, out in the world? And um, and my sense is um, that you can, from my perspective, I'm just looking at my own personal experience for the last year, which is yesterday, by the way, that was our last. Yeah, first, right. Right, 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 right. March thirteenth. I said, well, first of all, my own ability has jumped enormously, but so has our company, so has our, you know, program, and so have all the entrepreneurs in the program, those who have been positive and, you know, and enthusiastic about acquiring Zoom as a new capability. This is a real shift. And the VCR is a much more sensible way of looking at your future than how you might have looked at it just as a single individual. I agree. Yeah. Especially it's so, it's so, uh, it fits so perfectly with the free zone frontier. Mm -hmm. It feels exactly like the underpinning of, of that in a way, you know, that there's something they fit hand in hand. Um, And, you know, you look at now this week, I think we should, I, you know, probably we're documenting, um, you know, what's happening with, uh, I think we've mentioned NFTs. Yes. Uh, last uh, week, non-fungible tokens. Well, um, this week, you know, uh, Beeple, the a digital artist sold a digital artwork for $69 million. Yep. Jack Dorsey put the very first tweet up online yeah. and as is having an auction and so far the highest bid that I saw most recently was two point five million for the first tweet. Right. And now and Rob Gronkowski just had an auction that completed last night on some of his greatest um uh Super Bowl moments. That yes. are all, you know, numbered and uh, you limited editions of them. But then there's a one of one that is, mm-hmm. you know, um, I forget what they call it, a refractor card. I don't know what that means yet, but there it comes with a physical representation of it, I guess, um, signed mm-hmm. by him. And that was um, auctioned off as well. And I, I went over and looked at what the what the NBA is doing and the NBA mm-hmm. is selling digital moments of yes. things like, uh, LaMelo balls first, uh, you know, triple double, uh, game Bra- highlight Bra- from LeBron's greatest dunk. Yes, exactly. And I'm thinking, man, oh man. William Shatner's, uh, teeth x-rays. Yeah. Did you I know mean, that? that? I did not know that. Yeah, he took uh, he took uh, you know verified X-rays of his teeth, and he created yeah. cards, limit, limited limited edition number of cards, and he's putting them out on the internet, and uh, yeah. they're being purchased. They're being purchased. This is just it's crazy, but that's now um, you know we're seeing. And I read a really thoughtful article. Um, that I think it was in the New York Times. That was it was either the New York Times or CNBC, one of those that was yeah. um, talking about it as 
it's not even it doesn't matter what is happening right now that it's art or that it's uh it doesn't make sense what's going on what it's ushering in is this you know the the um the structure around it of having digital ownership of of something well can i tell you something mm-hmm. you were into this you were into this 20 25 years ago it's just uh-huh. that it didn't have a name for it and mm-hmm. your 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 analysis of a real estate market and breaking it down into right. its, and then you created a one off for each um real estate neighborhood okay yeah. and and you could purchase that and as long as you purchased it it was yours no one else could have this knowledge okay mm-hmm. so that's that, that's an nf that's an nf First of all, it was digital. You had already said yes. it was digital. They were buying a digital, non-fungible, yeah. non-fungible token. Okay, mm-hmm. so you had already done this. You know, you had already done this. So. I thought about um, that with uh, with stop your divorce too. When I yeah. first when I first did that digital ebook, it remind it was really um, I was to explain it to people that I'm basically selling a. Uh, it's not actually like selling a book. It's like selling a picture of a book <laughs> that, yeah. you know, it doesn't take away. I can print as many of them as you need. There's zero cost yeah. to distribute it. And we've sold, you know, a lot of them. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I've gone deep for a specific reason. I've gone very, very deep in understanding intellectual property law. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and there's about six major categories of intellectual uh, property um, protections. One is a patent. Patent, you have trademarks, you have copyrights. Then you have things like trade design, and you have, uh, there's even a thing called trade secrets. Trade secrets. Yeah. And so this is property, and, uh, um, and um, already... You know, I mean, this had already entered into the uh, digital world um, a long time ago. And an example is a Supreme Court uh, Supreme Court case that's been ten years in the making. And uh, Oracle, um, with a very very good foundation, can prove that the first ten thousand lines of code, which actually created Google's search engine, was oh, actually right. stolen stolen from Oracle. And I remember you got, mentioned that. Yeah, and they actually have a letter from uh, Google to Oracle that says, can we license the the first 10,000 lines? Of, and uh, Oracle said no, and then um, Google went ahead and did it anyway. Okay, so, so the interesting thing is what the court case, I think it, it'll probably come due this June, you know, it's probably in this session. And, um, but um, the way th- these things are settled, you know, uh, if, let's say the court rules in Oracle's favor. Uh, the way this is settled is that uh, there's a penalty that um, the loser uh, has to pay. And that is because of these, uh, what portion of your revenues since the moment you started using it uh, is owing to Oracle because you've been Mm -hmm. improperly living off of someone else's property and Uh you haven't been paying that, paying them to the property. Well, that those 10,000 lines of, um, you know, of uh, coding Mm -hmm. are (laughs) non-fungible. Google will say, Google was saying, no, they're fungible, and Oracle is saying, no, they're non-fungible. And the Supreme Court will decide uh, who uh, whose case is right there. Yes. Yeah. I'm, so it's very, how- very interesting. I think it's just property law moving into the uh, into Cloudlandia. Yeah, and I wonder how this, um, like, what it's going to be an interesting... Uh, thing to see how this plays out. Like, how does, how, because uh, what I think they were talking about in the article is this idea of smart contracts. 
that now mm-hmm. you can like at the source. Um, well, it only get, exists because <laughs> it only exists because of blockchain technology. Right. Okay. So you couldn't even have these discussions. You couldn't even have these examples if you didn't have a new technology called blockchain, which means uh-huh. that the record of, let's say, your um, real estate formulas for each of the neighborhoods, this uh-huh. can be entered into a record with millions of other records. And yes. to change your record, you'd have to change the other million records. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, there, in the digital world, uh, you know, there are countries like Nigeria and Russia that literally have been making a gross national product for the last 20 years of just stealing other people's, um, fooling around with other people's information and stealing other people's information. And there's been no recourse to that. And now there's how, now there is. how would it enforce, like, so let's say, so here's one of the things that I think of that. One of the, um, let, let's, uh, you can help me think through these, the algorithms here. Um, so let's say that, because a lot of the things that I have are things where you've heard me talk about the scale ready algorithm, where mm-hmm. I've got, I have a lot over all of this uh, history of, of my career here. I've got a lot of things that are what I call syndications where mm-hmm. I figure out, um, I was just looking at one the other day. I've got an ad for reverse mortgages to two different mm-hmm. ones that are, um, you know, that have run in, in many different, uh, magazines and, uh, been used as, uh, postcards. So, I look at that, if I create something like that as an NFT, or yeah. thinking out loud here, that, that what, the way that I've been kind of licensing those things um, to people and what I'm kind of thinking about it going forward is, is there a way to use that to get a, um, a royalty or a yeah, because it seems like it's difficult to track things like that. Like, how would that how would that help, well, or how would that well, aid uh, in a situation? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I'll start with the uh, consumer um, point of view on this, uh, yeah. rather than the rather than the innovator or the the inventor. Okay, so I'll okay. start with the consumer. Uh, uh, people are paying lots of money for things which are essentially fraudulent or fake. Okay. You know, yeah. and I mean, all my lifetime, I, you know, probably my adult lifetime, I've heard about fake pain, uh, you know, uh, forgery payment. Yes. Forgery. Uh, currency itself. You have, uh, you know, you yep. have uh, fake currency, uh, and then uh, very, very expensive, uh, uh, you know, like jewelry, like uh, Rolexes and everything. And it's, mm-hmm. it's been a, an, an incredible problem. Diamonds, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things. So from a consumer standpoint, uh, I think it'll be an app, you know, on your cell phone. And if you, some, you're offered something, um, you'll say, let me check this on the um, it. You know the uh, the digital certificate and right. the NFT. It's an NFT yeah. app, and I I put it and say I'm sorry, uh, this is not listed on blockchain. This is not a real thing. So what it re- what it's going to require is that if you have you create something, then you have to list it and you have to get a you know it has to be digitized and you have to get um, you know some sort of signal that tells you yes this has been digitized. And mm-hmm. that's what the consumer will pick up when they, and it, it would be about anything. It would be about, you know, William Shatner's dental x-rays or right. John James junk, uh, <laughs> junk, or not his junk. His, his <laughs> junk. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> now that might <laughs> that be a separate of uh, what do they call that, it? That'd uh, be, a, that'd be, that'd be an idea. NSW, an NSW yeah. NFT. <laughs> Not suitable yeah. for work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I've just introduced a whole new, you know, <laughs> category. Here, you oh, know? that's right. Quick, and, let's uh, let's create an NFT of this moment right here. Clip yeah. that up. The genesis of <laughs> the NSW NFT. Yeah. So the whole the whole thing is that the central rule of the marketplace is that things are only worth as much as someone wants to pay for them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, so when people say, well, this is really silly, uh, a digital painting for $69 million, this is really <laughs> silly. I said, well, what's silly about it? You know, what's silly about it? Yeah. Uh, I said, there's nothing silly about it. I said, somebody out there thinks that this is worth $69 million and they just paid for it. That, tr- that proves to me that the value of this is $69 million. And people say, but it's absurd. It's absurd. There are school teachers, you know? Uh, I said, yeah, but uh, put a school teacher out there and see how much people will pay for the school teacher. You know? Right, exactly. I'll put the painting here and the school teacher here. Would you? Yeah. Well, which would you pay more for, you know? Yeah. Well, 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 this is immoral. You know, I mean, the past. Nope, nope. That's not how the marketplace works. The marketplace. Right. Things have value according to what people will pay for them. Right. And that's the central thing here. So people say, well, there'll be people will be putting everything out there and selling it. And I says, no, a lot of it will just be worthless because mm-hmm. uh, there will be no buyer out there that wants to pay for, you know, wants to pay for your latest Kleenex. Right. Yeah, yeah this is... Yeah. Um, Wow! So you know, it's really I, taking it's really taking the pricing mechanism of the marketplace, um, like yours. It's going right to. We're almost approaching the point where you have a thought, you do something, and then you register your uh, expressed or articulated thought, like uh, Jack Dorsey with the first tweet. You know, he puts it out there. Now I I know for a fact somebody will buy that tweet for 2.5 million you know yeah and and uh it'll be part of their estate you know that yeah they have this and they have the nft proof that this yeah. is actually real yeah so how has this changed have you thought have you given any thought to oh what, yeah yeah tell me how you're thinking about it then well for you uh yeah. well uh uh uh, everything we've done, you know, everything we've created in Strategic Coach, because your company and my company are um, are um, intellectual property companies. In mm-hmm. other words, the uh, you know the um, um, Breakthrough Blueprint, the eight profit activators, that's yes. intellectual property. So uh-huh. what I'm saying is that I'm going to investigate with uh, John Farrell, who's my go-to IP lawyer in Silicon Valley, and I'll say, John, how are you approaching this right now? You know, what's the latest thinking? Yeah. What's the protection of that? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll actually do an interview with him, and I'll, I'll just uh, get a recording of the interview, and then, uh, you know, I'll just send it out to all the strategic coach clients, you first, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then I'll get that interview uh, registered as an NFT. <laughs> Oh, see, right, right, right. <laughs> well, or John could, or John could, yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, but I think that if you want to say this really simplifies intellectual property protection, and I, you know, I don't understand the difference, you know, trademarks, patents, and everything else. It's an NFT. It's an NFT. Yeah, and it's first, I guess, first in. If you're first yep. in, that's time stamped and dated and, and locked in. Concrete yep. <laughs> or yep. digital concrete. You gotta be quick. You know, yeah. there'll be a whole there'll be a whole new branch of law that develops uh, out of this. You know, who was first? You know, who was right. actually first? But that but that happens with patents. That happens with trademarks and copyrights. That's already yeah. a game that's well established. Jim. Right. So so my sense is that everything you ever knew about protecting something in the mainland 
all that is now the complete logic of that, the complete attitude towards that is now just shifting completely to the Cloudlandia. Yes. Wow. So this is a big like infrastructure moment. I mean, that's like a uh, that's what we're establishing all the well, the laws well, here. Well, mm-hmm. let's take uh, Old Town Road. Uh, we've talked yeah. a lot about the, the the teenager in Atlanta. Let's talk about the one in Copenhagen or Amsterdam. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. time he does a beat, he should get a NFT registration for every one of his beats. Well, I think that the music industry of anything is pretty well, I think they're probably furthest ahead on the Mm -hmm. digital front because they were honestly the first ones affected by it. Yeah. Right. When, when back in 1998, when, uh, you know, MP3s came out, that was now all of a sudden it freed the physical requirement of having a, CD or a vinyl record of something. Well, you know, now I you think can it, have a digital. Yeah, I think it actually happened when the recording industry uh, actually switched over from um, uh, um, imprinting uh, plastic, uh, you know, a thing, and it, uh, switched over to magnetic recording. I think that uh, the starting point for that was magnetic recording. Yeah, that's interesting. When, because uh, I think I remember reading that's about in, that, that's that. That in, was in the twenty. That's right? actually, uh, you know, that's actually very early. I mean, we're we're talking about the thirties or forties. Uh, I 40s. think it was even earlier. Yeah, yeah. That, that was um, because I remember when I first started looking at the how how we got to this point with both with text and pictures and video and sound. Um, that in 1922, there were some number of, of um, you know, record labels. And yep. Edison was actually one of the, um, one of the top um, labels. And mm-hmm. there were, I think there were the big four or whatever at that time. And the others switched to this magnetic, what you were describing and Mm -hmm. edison chose not to and then and by the end of the decade they were out of uh out of business and the magnetic thing was the big winner yeah edic uh uh, edison at a certain point in his life went totally reactive and non-creative and Mm. uh and uh, same thing happened in the movie movie industry the Uh original body that controlled movie making in the United States was called the Edison Trust and uh-huh. consisted and uh, it is they put rules down and what they did is they they put a set of rules that were completely vertically integrated in other words that the machine you used was part of the trust the film you used was part of the trust the yeah uh, the the uh you know the the product itself, how long it could be, that was part of the trust, and who could exhibit it was part of the trust. And it was a guy named Adolf Zukor who um, uh, rebelled against this, and it was all controlled out of New York City. The entire movie industry in the United States was controlled out of New York City, and and um, he went west, and he went to. Um, a place that was called Hollywood. Hollywood. It was a wood wood that had a lot of holly trees on it. And I went to Hollywood. And and part of the reason he went there is that if the law came down on him, because he was doing a lot of illegal stuff against the Edison Trust, that he wasn't far from Mexico. He could get across the Mexican, Mexican border really fast. Wow. They went to Los Angeles. <laughs> That's something I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great uh yeah, when you really I, I saw a thing about the you know, history of Hollywood and you realize, man, that's been just a hundred years basically, you know? Yep. Yeah. And you look at it now, I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then they became very oppressive. You know, they had, uh, the five studios that were five companies, and they uh, they price fixed, they you know restricted distribution and everything. It was a monopoly. I mean, it was five companies, uh-huh. uh, but they all had but they all bread they all had breakfast with each other every day to determine um, you know how they how they were going to keep their control on that day and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, th- this tendency towards you get this wild, you know, like NFT right now, this is going to be a wild entrepreneurial realm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there will become expert corporations in this, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, you know, the blockchain world, um, you know, there will be a consolidation of the blockchain companies, the companies that are the key blockchain companies and then they'll have a relationship with national governments uh, you know to enforce laws and everything like that uh, it's uh, yeah i mean uh, facebook and you know google and twitter and everything like that these are historically these are pretty um, these are pretty small players uh, Considering some of the monopolies communicate, AT and T was immensely bigger than uh, than Facebook or Google can even think about getting. Yeah, this is. I mean, yeah, you, I just look at this. Um, how quickly things go. Like I'm thinking about now, it's kind of NFT really just kind of showed up on our radar the last few weeks it's really big yeah yeah kind of i was hot, talking we you know? uh it was funny on wednesday i did a podcast with gord vickman who's my podcast manager uh-huh. and he talked about nft and then two hours later i did a podcast with peter diamandis and uh you know peter's been uh you know talking and investigating fakes like fake photographs fake avatars fake you know, deep fake, fake audio stuff. yeah right uh, fake stuff, you know, fake Tom Cruise, you know, uh, other yeah. stuff. And I said, well, I think that the NFT is a counter. counter <clears throat> yes, that's it. Um, yeah. How do that's we know this. it's a fake? Well, let's have a registry. And the other thing is uh, vote fraud, you know, and already there's articles that I've read that every ballot will be an NFT. And when it's your ballot, your identification is tied to this, and this is lodged in as an NFT. So there can be no fake ballots in future future elections. You know. Wow. So it's very very interesting that a party that's very much for advanced technology is suddenly saying, but who have a history of um, being successful with fraudulent voting. They'll say, right, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, we don't extend this new technology to that. So it'll be it'll be a very contentious political issue about voting, you know, like uh, every ballot's uh, a one off. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't just you you just can't have high school students after election hours filling in ballots for one person. You can't do that anymore. I wonder where this, like, if I look at right now, this, the, as an analog, let's look at ghost kitchens, which started mm-hmm. out, you know, let's call it five years now that yeah. the, um, you know, that now there's a, a, a whole category and an industry leader in virtual dining concepts. Yeah. Yep. As a thing, which is really the mm-hmm. VCR, driven by the VCR formula, um, yep. that. So now I wonder if we're at we're just the word NFT is becoming um, a buzzword, mm-hmm. and so everybody's like flocking to it, making so anything can be an NFT. I think we've seen so now. I wonder if we fast forward, where does this, how does the industry kind of evolve around this? Where does this well, go? Like, well, what, first where's of all, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you have to look here. Uh, 
which are most immediately accessible to do something with this. I think like, like diamonds, um, that, that was done long ago. Every diamond now that's sold at a reputable dealer now is already an NFT. It's got a digital imprint on the diamond that tells the complete history where it was mine. Oh, really? Um, yes. Under what conditions? Oh, yeah, what provenance, happened. right. Private provenance, yeah. So yeah. The, the uh so that's already established, you know, and I think paintings are probably going that that you know, anything that's a one off artistic yeah uh, production, um probably that's already well along the way. I, and yeah. uh, uh I'm just not someone who buys diamonds, so I wouldn't necessarily right. know about it firsthand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 I mean you could say real estate, um, you know. Yeah, really, certainly the blockchain. The first. That's yeah. what I meant. Well, about even the, before, yeah. I mean, uh, real estate law is very, you know, it's very robust. Um, you know, uh, one of our clients here in Toronto, um, Sasha Kersmer, and uh, you probably yeah. know Sasha. I do. And Sasha is the number one site surveyor um, in probably in Canada, but he's certainly the the, the big uh, the big person here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he has um, um, actually achieved the sole license for all the real estate boundaries in the province of Ontario. He's got a he's got a perpetual license from a firm that actually does the. Uh, you know, it's done by satellite now, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a thing. And so he. He is the monopolist who actually has the sole license. So if you're checking out real, uh, you know, real estate boundary lines, uh, you're yeah. using a service that he's that he's created. You know, wow. So, you know that knowledge could be an NFT. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because every every boundary line is, um, you know, uh, you know, it's. Um, it can be that, and we we've just gone through a purchase up north, and we're just doing a add-on to our cottage, and it had to be surveyed, and then it had to be submitted to the local, uh, you know, the local council that we were uh, the right distance. The new thing was right the right distance away from the shoreline. Okay, okay. there's rules. And yep. then we we bought a new property next to it, and uh, the uh, original boundary lines were like 40 years old. Uh-huh. So it was resurveyed. A survey came through, and it was a foot off here, and it was three feet off here and there. So a new boundary line has been established, uh, establishing exactly what the property is. You know, so anything that is a one-off that uh, you want to prove the originality of it and the legitimacy of it as an NFT. Mm-hmm. Right. I was watching on uh, YouTube last night um, the uh, the determination of whether Hitler actually died in the way that it was said, and it came down to his teeth, and they the, they uh, they had records, dental records, going back. 20, 30 years, and they, both the Russians and the Americans and the British and everything else determined that the set of teeth that were found in this skull, in the body, in the, you know, outside of the bunker, uh, was his. And this was his, okay. you know, so, yeah, so, but the, it's now determined. Now, now here's the thing. Um, Hitler's teeth could be an NFT. I mean, if you put took Hitler's teeth and you actually put them on the, you know, uh, on the internet and say buy Hitler's uh, teeth, I wonder how much they go for. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> oh man, this is such a what a, you know, it's amazing to be at the beginning of a uh, of something. Mm-hmm. It really is. Well, wonder, the whole you know, wor- the whole world is determined between the relationship of um uh of of real and fake and between a one off and um you know 
copies. You know, I mean, yeah. part of our economy is based on one-offs, and part of our economy is based on copies. Yeah, you know, and you know, and uh, 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 no, I mean, uh, if I take Cafe Hayek, you know, the economist who I think has done the best job of thinking through what capitalism actually has. He says that capitalism is an ever-expanding system. So what's the ever-expanding system here? The internet. It's, it's mm-hmm. Cloudlandia. Cloudlandia is an ever-expanding yes. system of yep. increasing cooperation among strangers. Yeah. Okay, so what's the central issue of cooperation? Yeah, trust. Trust. How do we know this is real? Yes. And so since the whole world has gone to an internet economy, um, uh, then uh, it's uh, uh, faking has run ahead of, of real, you know, uh, you know. Um, so my sense is the law has to catch up with this so that I, if, if you're doing a deal with someone from, uh, you know, 12 time zones away, how how do you trust without ever meeting the person? You know how to, how do you right? Uh, yeah, so there has to be some way of verificating that this is real. Yeah, and it can't be changed. It can't be faked. It can't be copied. It can't be counterfeited. Right, and that's I think what's happening too is that people could collaborate on something in and within a smart contract have. Yeah, the yeah. royalty of something or the your fraction of something um, directed, yeah, you know, yeah. attributed to you. So yeah. that's the thing about the collaboration that, especially as everything, I think that's really that's what I'm starting well, to understand. Well, I think that this kind of uh, kind of in history kind of marks the point at which, um, just to use an example, that Facebook's power now declines. And the reason is because already national governments are saying, look, we're, we're not going to allow you in here unless you pay to the media of this country your use of their property on Facebook. That happened in Australia three weeks ago. And now Canada is talking about it. Now the European Union is talking about it. And uh, because the means are now available that you use anything digitally of somebody else's there's a record of it right yeah and that's what that's that's awesome that's kind of a that's kind of a great opportunity Mm -hmm. yeah well he had a free ride you know it was like free property it was like free land for he had like a, a wide open range for like you know like 20 years and he just uh made a ton off of it but now, you know, the civilization is moving in after him and saying, you know, we got to have some rules here. Yeah. And now, yeah, boy, that's all, uh, that's all, <laughs> I think it's going to be amazing uh, to watch this unfold in the next five years. Even well, just, you what's, know, your sense, so uh, what's your sense? What's your sense? You and I are talking about it, and I've read about yeah. ten articles on it, and I've done two podcasts on it, and yeah. uh, I'm probably more knowledgeable about um, mainland property law than a yeah. lot of people, simply because um, you know of issues that we've had to deal with for thirty years, actually for thirty yeah. years, and uh, so. What's your sense? of just having conversations with other people of where they're understanding what what this is all about is. Um, I think there's certain people who understand more about it. Like, um, you know, Evan Pagan is someone who knows more. He's pretty deep into it. Very thoughtful, like looking for, I mean, his book was called opportunity. So he's an opportunity seeker as am I and you. So he's, he's on the cutting edge, but then there are other people who I don't even know what um, I've been talking to Joe Polish about it, but you know, you look at, let's just put this in context of the last, um, you know, Joe, Joe's been on sabbatical since January 
And so he doesn't really have any experience or knowledge of what clubhouse is happening or what NFTs um, are. I think he's, although I think he is um, staying on on top of that, but if you were, um, you know, someone who's just kind of stepped out for a bit, you've you've missed some, uh, some big things as they've happened. I don't think people understand it, you know, or get a sense of what it, what it is and how fundamentally it's changing where I'm, I'm looking towards the, because as I, I look more and more towards a future where I'm only contributing scale ready algorithms to collaboration. That's, that's what I am feared. That's where my, surfboard is pointed to that horizon now on top of looking for the the right uh waves to uh to surf on that but if that is a thing that's what i'm my primary interest in it is to be able to contribute that portion of it and then turn it over to or collaborate with multipliers who can then yeah take that to the rest of the, take that to the world. And my contribution is valued and um, compensated for the, that portion of it without having to, you know, set up big enforcement structures and, and um, create anything around that. No, I understand that. Well, first of yeah. all, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, when we talk about intellectual property, uh, you know, people say intellectual property, what's that like, like ideas? I said, uh, before we start talking about this, uh, I want you to look at the second word. Property, yeah. I said, uh, you can forget the first word. The second word is what it's about. It's about property. And there's uh-huh. been a lot of foolishness. There's been a lot of foolishness in the magical thinking world. I mean, there's Cloudlandia, which is real, and then there's magical thinking, which is Cloudlandia that's not real. Okay, yeah. magical thinking is well. In the future, we won't own anything. And I said, who's the who who aren't going to own anything? Because I'd like right. to know who the who's are who own what you don't own. You know, it's kind of like right. You know, it's, yeah, it's like universal basic income, you know, the whole notion that we're all going to be paid by the government, you know, yeah. going to get that. And I said, uh, I'll tell you how this will work out. You have a hundred, a hundred people. Okay. And at the, uh, at the, uh, first in the month, they all get $10,000. Okay. So it's a million dollars. Okay. So it's a million dollars that's work. So on the first of the month, um, you have a hundred people each have ten thousand dollars. I'll tell you how I'll tell you what it looks like on, on the last day of the month. Twenty percent of them have eighty percent of the money. Mm-hmm. I bet you're right. <laughs> yeah. It's Pareto's yeah. law. It's Pareto's law. Uh, yeah. first of all, because uh, most of the people don't even know that that from the government that uh, you know that uh, you know, that $10,000 is property, but the others do. The 20% know it's property. The 80% don't know it's property. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, it's sort of like that. There are certain people who know that things are worth something and they've got lawyers, so lawyers and accountants and they staff up and everything like that. So, and, you know, I, I think that the least likely people to profit, uh, by, this NFT thing is probably the millennial generation uh, who've never owned anything. You know, like uh, they're late into the ownership world because they got hit um, really hard in the 08, 09. I think that the millennials will probably do in their lives what almost every previous other generation do, but they'll be 10 years behind. They'll get married 10 years behind. They'll get. They'll buy real estate ten years behind. They'll have children ten years behind, which means they're not going to have many children. And uh, the reason is because they got interrupted 
by economics um, in their development, and they had to be renters. You know, they every they everything had to be on credit and renting. They they never created any capital to actually have ownership. So the people who will be uh, probably not clued in are probably people um, up till about 40 years old right now. People over 40 will really get this. The people under 40 won't get it. I mean, there'll be exceptions like uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Be- Mr. Beast will totally get this. You know, little Naz will totally yeah. get this. But yeah. they'll be the exception. They'll be the exceptions. They'll be the exceptions. But the vast majority of young people won't get this at all uh, until much later. Yeah, because you know, but that's that's a perfect example when you look at uh, this new Gen Z. They've never known anything. They've been born into this this yeah. the digital world, digital natives. That's the yeah. That's the thing. My, so my generation, a, yeah. it's really interesting. My generation, so my generation started in 1928 and ended in 1946. So it's an 18-year, uh, and uh, uh, by far, on a per capita basis, my generation is the wealthiest generation that the world has ever known. Okay. What years were that? 1928 to 1946. So you're okay. the silent generation. We're a silent, yeah, we're a quiet generation. Silent my mom was silent. in that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, silent mm-hmm. generation. And yeah. the reason yeah. is that um, um, we didn't go through the First World War. We didn't go, I mean, and we were children during the Depression, so we weren't out yeah. in the marketplace. And right. we didn't go through the Second World War. So, yeah. uh, and then right after the war, there was this huge boom of economic activity and yes. we we just um, we just went up the express elevator where everybody else had to go four by four, you know. Mm. Like uh, there was always opportunity. There were there there were more jobs than there were us. There was more education available yes. than there were us. So and you, you know, were we right at the cusp. New schools, new everything. Knew everything, knew everything. Yeah. And and I, I know it affects my attitude about, um, you know, the future and everything. People, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I was, we, we've been having sort of reviews of the last year and people said, you know, you were really, everybody was scared and you were really brave. I said, I was brave. I said, I just saw nothing but opportunity when the lockdown happened. Yeah. Because my whole life has just been about opportunity, and I see NFT, and I said, "Oh, this is great! You know, this is great. I, I'm going to yeah. find out all about this real fast because I've got a lot of stuff that is uh, cre- created, and so have m- all my clients. So I want to get on top of this right away and figure out what, how all my clients can take their original stuff and get it, um, um, you know, get it on blockchain. You know, I mean, yeah. I said, this is huge. This is huge." Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Like you, like you, Dean. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, tell I mean, you something. Yeah, yeah I tell you something. Starting in 1985, so Babs and I met in 1982. Uh, Babs has saved every single sheet of paper that I've either done a drawing on or ah. wrote an idea down. We've got 10,000 sheets of paper stored and filed and uh, everything. Yes. And Bab says, you see any paper that Dan draws on, you save it, and it goes in the file. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. I was just looking at... You know, I, bet you have, I bet you have a lot of that stuff. Like Well, that. just sitting right beside me here, I have a stack of some journals that I was looking through. And this oh, yeah. one that I have in my hand here is uh, from August to November of 1996. So yep. this is, uh, yeah, I would use like, these. Uh, I this used, is like, when I, yeah. this when is, I first started using them, it was the um, account books, like ledger books, the Blue Line A796 record book with archival quality paper. Yep. and all Because I knew even then it's something that was funny to want to, uh, yeah, you know, this is, do. Uh, this, this is like an original um, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John scripture. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> This is like a this is like a first folio Shakespeare. No, no, yeah. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying uh, that uh, first of all, the marketplace determines whether anything is worth anything. But uh, you never know. You know, uh, somebody does a digital painting and it's worth sixty nine million. You know. Yes. Well, what he sold was an amalgam of his everyday. He does digital artwork every day. And what yeah. he sold was an amalgam of the first 5,000 days. So it was one yeah. image, one image um, of, you know, a representation of almost pixelated kind of thing of all 5,000 yeah. of the uh, images. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of work. I mean, that's 5,000 days work. I mean, very yeah. few painters have put in 5,000 painters to create it. Uh, you know, put in 5,000 days to create a painting, you know. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, um, um, I think that's worth something. I'm, I'm willing to bid on that, you know. That's, this is the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, <laughs> I, I think one of my, uh, you know, as I developed my quarterly books, uh, there's an idea that the most disruptive force in the world, is an unpredictable consumer with a new capability. Mm-hmm. And that's where wow. all value is. That's where all value is created. Yeah. Somebody who's an unpredictable consumer and this person just got a new capability and all of a sudden his vision has changed, his capability has changed, his sense of capability and his reach just changed. And I have to tell you, big data can't keep track of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, <laughs> Oh, Dan, it's, it's, yeah, I remember, this is the I remember Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, it was probably around 1986 or so. And the big thing came up that the Russians were um, stealing U S secrets. And there was all this thing about the U USSR stealing secrets. And he says, you know what we ought to do? He says, we ought to, you know, we ought to get every 747 airplane in the world, especially the cargo planes. And we ought to search the United States from one end to the other for every secret. And we ought to load them on all the 747s. And we ought to fly them to Moscow and dump them on the runway. And he said, um, just trying to come to grips with what we've dropped on the runway will destroy the Soviet Union. <laughs> wow. And, and it was gone in it was gone in five years and maybe you know, maybe he was uh, he he had some insight on it, you know. I think same thing with the Chinese, they're surveilling everybody, you know, they've got they've got you know, massive numbers of millions of people who sit in front of computers and watch other people. And I said <laughs> I said at a certain point it's just one day too far that they've done this and the entire system sort of freezes up and everything collapses. <laughs> oh man. Cause there's no That's... creativity in it. There's no creativity. Right. In it. Yeah. 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 And, oh uh, boy. And you know, you know, pay, pay, just, just take care of yourself and, uh, you know, have big visions and, you know, write your down. capabilities correctly and collaborate with other people. And, you know, you don't have to worry about what the rest of the world is doing. Right. That's what I'm looking forward to is this. Um... So, so Dean, I'm asking your permission right here. I've got a, a free zone, full day workshop coming up on Thursday. And I would like to take a first crack at what the form will look like for all the free zone entrepreneurs identifying themselves in terms of their PCR. Oh, yes. I would love that. Would you like that? Yeah, I would love that. Okay. So there's a, I didn't realize. And at the bottom, I have to tell you, at the bottom, at the bottom of the sheet, it says copyright and trademark Dean Jackson. So I just want to let you know. I appreciate that. This is great. No, 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 it's your, totally your thing, but I'll help develop the thinking on it. And all my thinking is your thinking. So all the thinking I do on this 
belongs to you. So I just want to let you know that. This is great. So I got that going for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So no matter what I do with it and how far I develop it, it's a hundred percent yours. I like that. So this is Thurs this Thursday? This Thursday, yeah, Thursday. in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, the Zoom, ordinary, right? if it was yeah. in person, it would be a Chicago workshop, yeah. So I'm going to do okay. it. And uh, and uh, I put together uh, some interesting tools, including this new, um, you know, certainty, uncertainty, which is really a, it's a fascinating concept, new concept. And I yeah, this brought is it out over Okay. No, it, it just dawned on me now that why I was thinking about that, but you've got two free zone groups. That's yeah. what it is. So I That's have the first one. I have a first yeah. one and then another one in April. You know. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I may, but, I may come but, to this one if that's. Yeah. But here's the, here's the, well, it starts at 10 Eastern time. So we move, okay. you know, we do it on Chicago based. So it's yeah, 10, yeah. To, 10 to 4. And okay. uh, uh, I don't know exactly the timing yet, but it's going to be a great workshop. I mean, and, yeah, uh, uh, and everything. So, uh, but uh, the reason I wanted to have this recorded is that I want to establish a, you know, that you and I, uh, you know, uh, th this is being recorded, that I'm establishing my basis for collaborations that, um, what I really want is a new capability for my, but in the final analysis, the capability is a hundred percent owned by you. Mm -hmm. And I just want to establish this as a principle because if that's an operating principle, I can have any number of collaborations in the world and collab any collaborator would totally trust me because I'm granting them ownership of the uh, ownership of the original idea. It's all very exciting. Yeah. It's a new frontier. A free well, zone it's frontier. Crucial to my it's crucial to my development of the free zone. Yeah. I think so. That's what I'm excited about is to see yeah. this because as I'm finding my place in the free zone, that yeah. I, I see where I have the best um, contributions, you know? Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's fun to see it evolve. Yeah, well, uh, uh, it'll be great then having you. Um, I'll be you there. Know, yeah, in, in collaboration on on uh, Thursday because I think this will be a great discussion. I can't wait. All right, as Appreciate always. It. All right, I enjoy it. I will talk to you on Thursday. Yeah. Thank. Thanks. Thanks, Dean. Thanks, Bye. Man. Bye.